brother how you doing I'm great. excellent happy friday yes sir pod number two tomorrow's my big day man what's going on the big two nine my oh birthday. i forgot that's right the fourth right yeah so it's uh it's just uh it's almost like getting to the point where it's like not like really advertising blasting all the birthdays too much anymore <laughs> But I feel like 30 is that last one. It's like that last kind of big yeah, one. And then 40. And yeah, then it's every decade. And then it, it comes about kids, kids and their birthdays and stuff too. Right? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I've never been much of a birthday person myself, but um, my wife's really big into birthdays, which I guess is nice because since I'm not a big birthday person, I don't make a big deal about others, I guess. And so that's not fair to kids. They, you know, birthdays are so important. So my wife does a great job with that. So um, I'm glad that it is for her, you know, but yeah, no, no, I no. guess for gals always, they always uh, just have that, you know, that, that touch or that um, sentimentality, I think is the right word there. Anyways. Um, all right. So if you are just joining us, uh, Matt and Dan here. Um, Think and Grow Bitch podcast, um, TGB pod. Uh, so basically what Dan and I have done is we've seeded um, a database with 150 different startup ideas in OpenAI's ChatGPT. And every day, every week, we are receiving anywhere from 5 to 10, 20, 30, um, basically startup ideas that are generated from chat GPT from OpenAI's chat GPT, which is very cool. Um, and so we are going to run through a few of these now. Um, uh, to be totally transparent, I haven't reviewed all the ideas. There was a lot that were produced this week. So let's run through a couple of them and see what comes out and we'll go from there. So um, first one that popped out, a place to buy and sell used car parts with an emphasis on spare parts for electric vehicles. What do you think about that one? I think that with um, artificial intelligence and increases in technology, people are looking to, and also just the rampant inflation, people are looking for ways where they can kind of cut out the middleman, source things themselves, cut down on prices, and I guess maybe this idea could help people to find someone that can fix a car and then go ahead and get the part for them. And that way they only have to worry about the labor aspect of it. So I, I think that could be one take. Yeah. I think the other take could just be, uh, you know, basically a marketplace, um, any type of like an Alibaba or an eBay with every type of car part. And then of course, depending on, you know, so if you have a 2005 Mazda Miata and you need a specific part for your, you know, little convertible, you could go on here, put that in there. And then um, whether it's windshield wipers or maybe a headlight and you know, the cool thing is with YouTube nowadays, like there's basically like a video for everything. And I actually ran into an app um, recently, Fix, 
fixx.com, F-I-X-X.com. Um, and it, it's a free app in the uh, App Store. They have every single user manual for every single type of um, appliance, kitchen appliance, home appliance. Um, so whether it's a Roomba or it's a um, a a blender, whatever it is, they have all of them. So they've become a database, you know, like a central database for every type of user manual. That's pretty cool. So I wonder if you could do the same thing here. I mean, it makes sense. People want to explore ways to cut costs. At the end, hundred percent. Look for like streamlined ways. I think it's also a timing aspect now with everything with technology. Everyone has equal access to information. So people that may totally certain types of credible experts, people are maybe saying, well, do I need someone for that? Unless it's like my engine or transmission or something major, can I just do it myself? It, yeah, ba basically. And look, that's the big thing, right? As you stated earlier, right? People want to save money, things like inflation. It's crazy. Like if um, we just had one of our AC units uh, repaired and normally like in the past, it would have cost us maybe like, you know, 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the visit and then you know like uh, pay for like the parts and things it was like 400 dollars. like and and i was like is this right and he was like bro he's like if i could charge you less i'd love to he's been our guy for a long time and he's like just he's like first of all i gotta pay more for gas he's like all my parts have tripled he's like my cost has tripled just for the parts that he's getting. And then if, and that's even if he can get the parts, he's like some of the things that I need, um, either the AC units, the manufacturers themselves have either um, upgraded because they aren't able to source different parts. So they've had to change or, or use new things. And then, so basically they'd have to discontinue other things. So basically the AC repair people, they're the last to find out and know. And then of course, you know, that leaves them in a bad kind of place when they're communicating with their customers, right? Um, and he's like, so all the new parts are super expensive. And he's like, I'm basically just passing on the price. I'm not even Increasing factoring in. Yeah, he's not yeah. even adding margin to that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like, that sucks, man, you know? It's a tough time with uh, supply chain and things like that. Totally, so, still. If someone was to do an idea like this, the way that I feel it could be positioned beneficial to a customer would be, this is what it costs to buy it here. This is what you'd pay at your local auto body dealer with some sort of data to back that up to show the difference of buying it direct. Because if I'm on that website as a customer, I'm like, all right, well, how much money am I saving? Is it worth my time to do this? Totally. That's a good point, too. Estimated cost, if you were to get it done, let's use the Mazda Miata example. So if you took your Miata to Mazda, mm -hmm. here's the estimated cost, time, labor, right? All of those materials. Um, and here's if you just sourced the product yourself and did it yourself. Um, time and materials or whatever. So, That's and look, way for them to get that data. Th there's a specific type of client for that, right? If, uh, for example, like if it were my um, in-laws who are retired, who are well off, 
they're not going to want to source anything. They, they buy newer cars, and if their car has an issue, they take it to the dealership and they don't care because they want the dealership to work on the car, bing, bang, boom, right? So it's like, um, but there's definitely clientele out there, especially with used car prices being jacked up and people aren't replacing cars as quickly anymore. So, um, yeah. Um, so let's see what else we got. It's funny, a lot of the uh, things that were produced were um, very long. Typically, there's one or two sentences, but um, uh, any employer to hire manage any arm. Startup that can next best events. Yeah, no worries. I know that. Uh, and we can edit this piece out anyway, so. Yeah, no, I'm not sweating it. A chatbot that helps brands book appointments with doctors and support staff. The company would build a platform for groups to book appointments for their offices and can also be used for first-time patients. Oh. So that exists already today. It does. And, and we have to keep in mind that this is like, you know, it's uh, sometimes it will repeat based on things that are input. Yeah, um, no, better this idea i think there's a lot of people this is called digital front door so i've got background kind of i mean i touch this stuff every day so this is what's called digital front door i think that there's people that are doing this but i don't feel that this market is fully fully saturated yet i think there's still opportunity here what i've noticed about this industry is there's a lot of companies that are promising a lot and delivering a lot less. Yeah. If someone can come in with a really good software background and execute, I think that'd be great. However, at the same time, you gotta move real fast because there's people that are, you know, tens of millions of dollars venture capital backed already That's executing true. all these ideas with enterprise customers today. I think there's an opportunity to do this at the physician group practice level. Whereas most organizations are targeting large enterprise health systems. True. So if someone wants to go after the smaller markets, I don't think this is fully being um, serviced in those areas. But as we know, a lot less money uh, there. That's yeah. why the large enterprise health systems. I feel like this is an amazing idea, but I feel like people are already really wrong with this. So there's a... Um... I can't think of the guy's name. He he was on Rogan maybe three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. The guy was um, a pharmaceutical rep for a while, and then he started this um, all-cash medical practice in, in I want to say, Dallas or Houston or somewhere. Um, it's like live to well or um, – the concept is basically they provide you with a Chinese menu of everything they provide in the sense of like a, you know, standard medical office. They they don't take insurance and they don't deal with insurance. Wow. And because they don't do that, it's all cash transaction. They can actually charge you significantly less because they don't have the same overhead and they don't have to deal with all the nonsense through insurance and then insurance doesn't dictate anything to them. I want to say it's live to well, well to live, something like that. Anyways, um, and then on top of that, these guys can also do things like um, they can provide uh, stem cells. 
So, you know, some of the things that, unfortunately, I think part of the ways to well, yes, in Texas. Looking them up right now. Yeah. So these guys are legit and their business has been growing. And so I wonder if you could take their concept of the way that they're doing medicine and they're doing healthcare and sell that to companies, especially to tech companies who are paying insurance for their employees or pay higher premiums or actually contribute a lot more. Um, this is a way for them to save. They don't have to be nickel and dime by the insurance company. This is interesting. I'm looking them up right now. Yeah, no, this they have a lot of stuff about Joe Rogan. Yeah. By uh, Brigham Bueller healthcare system last 15 years and just saw the opportunity to disrupt it. This is really interesting. It's very cool, right? Now, the only thing with that is um, <laughs> those are people with real deep pockets that you're competing against and um, maybe not always people that uh, play the game nicely is all I'll say. You got a lot of people that you might be. If you start to get a little too big, there's someone that's going to try and step on you like a bug. Because those are yeah. some very adversarial. The insurance, as we know, right? That's very, um, very cutthroat business. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Look, it's like uh, health insurance it, mafia. It is, but it's very disruptive. The idea is fantastic. And I mean, just because you may have to worry about insurance companies trying to sue you doesn't mean you shouldn't go out there and execute. A thousand percent. It's just that's, I, I met actually with a gentleman for um, lunch yesterday, or excuse me, two days ago. That's extremely successful, runs four or five businesses. And I was just asking for some mentorship with one of the businesses that I own. And he said, he asked me an interesting question. No one ever asked me this before. He said, what's the worst thing that could happen in your business? I was like, well, he goes, I'm not saying I want you to think about that and focus on that all the time, but have you thought about what's the worst thing that could happen and having a contingency plan in place to address that problem? It makes me think about this business. The worst thing that could happen to it is a huge insurance company says that they violate some sort of trademark or something like that and sue them or government entity in some way, shape or form. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a private business. They can do what they want, right? I mean, healthcare is not uh, owned or monopolized by um, the insurance companies. So the reality is, you know, whether they want to do a cash-only business, they, they have the option to just uh, accept Bitcoin only if they wanted, right? They, they, it's as a private business, free enterprise in the U.S., Technically, they can do what they want. I don't think that there's anything. Here's the here's the thing. They're only a single location today. So they're no threat to any of the major players. But if they start to franchise or they start to really now, you know, if there's a presence in all 50 states or um, all of a sudden these things start to pop up the way like MD Now or these types of clinics open where basically it's like, hey, we take care of everything for you, all cash. And we'll save you 60, 70% compared to, you know, annually compared to uh, your insurance plan. 
forget about it. You're just then you're disrupting a whole model. Look, think of all of the companies, the short sellers, all the people that tried to kill Tesla when Tesla was first coming out. Not to mention there was just the people who thought, you know what, this company's never going to make it. There wasn't a new car brand or anything for 50 years, right? I mean, so and then hey, uh, let let the market let the market decide, and they they have. Now, what's funny is just a side note, all the people that bought Tesla six months ago <laughs> are pretty pissed now that all the prices have been dropping. Um, it's pretty crazy all of a sudden, you know, like um, the there's a lot of inventory. Everyone thinks that I, I love Elon Musk, but he got some, dude, he's an alien. He's got some family connections, though, and he's got some deep pockets as well. So he wasn't any just Joe Blow off the street. His family owns like mining companies in South Africa and stuff. They're connected. So not exactly like, a, you know what I mean? Like he, even if he wasn't, the guy is an alien in the sense of intelligence, brilliance. The He's an Albert Einstein type of figure, right? He's a Leonardo da Vinci. He's a Thomas Edison, a, te a Tesla, like that level of just thinking, intelligence. And, and, and the reason I say that with such confidence is I saw an interview um, with uh, this guy who, who was a former astronaut, Garrett something. I saw several interviews with him, but the one most notable is um, he was on Rogan as well. Um, and basically, he worked at um, – so he was a NASA astronaut. He fixed um, the uh, ISS and the Hubble telescope, all these things. And then basically after that, after being an astronaut, he went and worked for SpaceX for seven years as, as basically Elon's number two. And the thing that he would say was, look – you get used to working with smart people, whether you're at NASA, you're at SpaceX. He's like, what makes Elon so unique is most smart people that you meet, they have one specific area or knowledge, one specific knowledge that they focus in on. So whether it's chemistry, whether it's astrophysics, whether it's mathematics, he's like, Elon can talk intelligently to all of them. And not only that, but then also understands the engineering, the math, the calculations, all of it. So, look, for somebody who created an electric car company, basically created landable rockets, and for 50 years, NASA said that that wasn't even possible. NASA said, it's impossible, you will fail. There's no way to reuse rockets. He's like, Hold my beer, basically, right? He's like, hold my beer. I'm, a, I'm not only am I going to land them, I'm going to land them in the ocean on a moving, uh, <laughs> on a moving landing. <laughs> and that's for sure. No, he has. Um, and then the PayPal stuff, all that bankroll. But I mean, he sold his first app when he was like 16 years old. So like, it's crazy. Anyways, like, just that level of. Thinking and I wouldn't want to have his mind though. He knows how to have uh, allies, which to kind of circle back on what we were talking about regarding um, this company. Yeah. In that digital front door space, 
I'm sure the CEO is super smart, great idea. I think the biggest thing for them to be successful long-term is they have to have strategic partnerships that are connected at the right types of levels to ensure that something like this is able to scale properly. Yeah. They're going to have big enemies if they do start to scale. I'm not saying it can't be done. Um, what I mean to say is that you do have to plan for, if you want to really grow it big, you have to plan for what could be my Achilles heel and just have something in place to prevent that from biting you in the butt. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know if you don't try, right? So I think it's uh, it, it's it, it's definitely big risk, big reward type of venture. I think it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely disruptive and there's definitely a big payout. If Look, look at it like this. If it's, if you build something of value that threatens them, 99% they're going to come try to acquire you, right? They're going to try to come look at like uh, insurance. I think Geico bought them or one of the big ones. Insurance was very disruptive in the insurance model because they provide, um, they were providing options for pricing. This was like huge at the time. This was like early 2000. Insurance came out. And was like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't need an old school agent. We'll give you a quote and we'll, we'll provide, you know, comparative pricing online. And then I think Geico purchased them like a year or two later. And then uh, or, or State Farm, one of those big, big ones. And then wrapped it into their thing. And then uh, obviously, you know, worked it to their advantage. But um, possibly done. So, yeah, that's that's a great idea. And I think that um, I hope that those guys do well, because I think that that model is very archaic. And um, it's kind of like a oligopoly with these large insurance companies, essentially. So, um, yeah, they probably got a good plan. So let's rock the next one. Let's see. I, you know what? I thought this one was kind of unique. A startup that allows farmers to sell excess food directly to their neighborhood grocery stores and to individuals. It's a really cool idea. More and more people want to do the farm to table. 100%. Into what they're eating. 100%. And, um, I don't know a ton about farming, but my understanding is that there's a lot of times where the large supermarket type chains have like all of the leverage in terms of what they'll order and not order. Thousand percent. Left holding the bag with whatever's left. So there should be a way for them to monetize that. And also, I don't like wasting stuff. So anything that's going to make sure that whatever hard work and stuff they're doing to create the food is not going to waste because there's tons of people that are hungry. I think it's amazing. That That is a fantastic idea. And if someone can create that, they can also the farming industry is heavily subsidized by the federal government. Heavily, billions, billions. This is a this is a billion dollar idea. It's actually the best idea I've heard in both podcasts, probably. So, you know what's funny? It's like you hear all this news about Bill Gates buying all this farmland, right? And it's like, hey, you want to help people as opposed to, you know, uh, his his. I think the thing he's been saying is like he's been buying this this land because he wants to like. I think produce healthier food for people, but it's like, you know, I think like something like uh, in the 1950s, no, I'm sorry, not 1950s. In the early 1900s, there was something like 300,000 farmers in the US. Um, and then in the 1950s, there was half that number and something like just uh, maybe five years ago, 
there was only like maybe 30,000 farmers all across the country, and that was it. So obviously, farming is a very difficult business, right? It's a 15, 16-hour day from, you know, uh, crack ass of the morning until the evening, and it's a thankless job. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of it has been like poo-pooed because of a lot of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to stereotype, but, you know, because uh, individuals, uh, the, the whole concept of farm to table is considered this like real, you know, premium upscale thing when reality is everyone's entitled. Everyone should be able to afford. Look, 100%. Everyone should be able to afford farm to table, right? So without preservatives and without all the nonsense, um, the, 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 you know, the things that are killing a lot of Americans, um, is because they eat like crap. People bust my chops over that all the time, like in larger family or larger network circles, like, totally. oh, here he is. He's got a new diet. Oh, he's got to eat the grass fed. Oh, he's got to eat this, got to eat that. It's like, well, I, if I'm going to work so hard, I'm not like a drive a super fancy car, have the super biggest fancy. That's not like really my why. Like I want to eat good food. I want to eat real food. I don't Because it's fuel. Correct. Right? You're, you're not going to pour sugar water into your gas tank. You go to a <laughs> gas station and you get real gasoline, whether that's, you know, 89, 91, 93, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But you're going to put what the car requires and then you need to update your oil and do all those things with the same thing as machines right and so that fuel the better the fuel the better we can operate the better we can think the better we can move and uh also for the future you know so if you eat like crap when you're young you're absolutely going to have to pay that price later on in your life right i don't even need to be a doctor to tell you that that's just proven Right. So uh, there, there's no way of overcoming that. Um, so a way to not only eat better, but look, farmers. Um, let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the lucky charms are healthier than steak? New government food pyramid. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, so the new government food pyramid states that something like Lucky Charms is healthier than red meat. Like oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, it's just like such propaganda. It's like nonsense, man. I kind of go off of the – and I, people probably sometimes think it's a little bit um, – maybe it's – I don't know. I'm not a doctor, right, at the end of the day, but I always go by the take off your shirt and let's look in the mirror test. And if I take off my shirt and we look in the mirror and I look better than somebody, I'm not listening to them about what I should eat. If somebody looks better than me when I take off their shirt, they're clearly eating a better diet than me because you are what you eat. So it doesn't necessarily mean like super muscular. I mean really their body fat and like their level of leanness and healthiness in their body. Yeah. Like when like not to go down a whole like COVID rabbit hole, but like when all that was going on, I looked at the people that were saying to do certain stuff and I was like, guy's like old pasty out of shape i was like what is that guy can teach me about health i'm gonna continue <laughs> with weights eat red meat eat fruit go outside get sun and do aerobic exercise and i think i'm doing all right i feel good 
I don't know. Maybe it's because we're younger, but I don't know. I think it's the same thing with food nowadays and people are not giving the proper respect to people that farm and that give us our food. And I think it's national security. So I was talking to my brother the other day and we were hearing about a lot of um, Chinese businesses uh, buying American farmland. I'm not sure if you saw that as well, which also might be why Bill Gates buying a lot of farmland is a defensive. That I have seen. That's, to my, in my opinion, that's a national security risk. 100%. Not proper control of the food supply because what if we ever got into an armed conflict and then they shut down all the means to grow food and then we had food shortages? That could be very, very devastating. So I know we kind of went off track a little bit with the app, but I think this is an amazing idea. And I believe if someone was going to start an app like this, getting some sort of government subsidized type partnerships, I think is very, very attainable. And you could probably get government funding to start something like this if you were the right people and you made the right connections. That's true. That's 100% true, you know. Um, so there you go. Billion dollar idea. You heard it here first, folks. A rich man's world. Beautiful, but the beauty of a rich man.